Welcome to the Two Acre Homestead Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa, and welcome to Season 2. Super excited to have you all back with us and happy to be back in studio with all of you. We have taken the month of May off, May 2022, and we decided to focus all of our energy and attention on some projects and different things around our homestead. And so now we're back and we've got a laundry list of things to discuss. So let's get started. Welcome to the Two Acre Homestead. Come along with us on our journey from a small suburban homestead lifestyle to our new lifestyle homesteading in the rural countryside of Southern Arizona. We'll share with you our tips, tricks, successes, and failures from both our past suburban lifestyle to our new rural lifestyle, all on the Two Acre Homestead. And so we are back here in studio, and I just wanted to get you guys caught up to date on some of the things that are going on here on the homestead. And first off, you're probably noticing that my co-host, my sidekick, my husband, is not with us. And we're not going to be hearing as much from Kevin this particular season, and that's because he is back to working the nine to five job. That's right. He's back to working his nine to five. So that means you have me and whatever guest hosts I can have in studio. So we just have that mortgage that we've got to pay off. And that is our one and final thing left for us to become completely debt-free is paying off our mortgage. And if you're new around here, we just bought this homestead back in October. So we've got a little ways to go, but we can do it. So kudos to him for working to support his family and um, paying off that mortgage so we can be debt-free and we can bring him home. So that is one big thing that has been going on. Let's see here. While we were off on the month of May, we had the opportunity to kind of like regroup, refocus, get some projects done around the house, really kind of looking at our property and looking at it through the lens of long term, um, making some adjustments to our property. We've got some huge adjustments coming, uh, major changes coming to our property. And I can't wait to share some of those things with you. Um, but I will share them with you as they happen. But, um, and then we also had a chance to really get out and meet other people who do the same exact same thing that we do. They are homesteaders and they are literally streets away from us. Yeah. Our neighbors. So that was really 
nice to be able to get to know some of our neighbors, get to meet some people, um, get to see how they do things here. Um, because we're new here in this area. We're not new to the state. We've been here in the state of Arizona forever. Um, and we've been in Southern Arizona for most of our adult lives. So we're pretty familiar with, I would say, all of the critters and the climate and the lack of water, just a laundry list of things. So we are really familiar with a lot of things. But when you're homesteading on the scale that we are starting to now, coming from the suburban homestead, things look a little bit different. So it was really nice to meet other people who are doing this. And hopefully some of them, you all will get a chance to meet as well. Um, so we're really looking forward to that. So I have been really busy with making some major changes to our gardens. So if you follow us on YouTube, and I encourage you that if you know you're wanting to see visually what it looks like, um, go ahead and hop on over to YouTube. You will find us at the same name, the Two Acre Homestead. Make sure you put the, T-H-E, the Two Acre Homestead, because I think sometimes people just put Two Acre Homestead, and that may come up with a different channel. But if you type in the two acre homestead, you will find our channel. We're a small channel and that's okay. I'm not in it for, you know, a thousand followers or a million followers, excuse me. But um, you'll be able to see what our gardens look like. But basically our main crop garden, which is on the side of our house, or the side of our property, excuse me, that garden is really struggling. And the conclusion that I have come to, I've got for most of the crops, I've got my timing down right. I, you know, planted them at the right time for most of them. Some of them, I didn't plant at the right time. I got a little too too uh, excited to get into the garden and didn't realize how cold it is here. But um, most of the plants I planted at the right time. What I'm noticing is I'm able to compare now that things are starting to really, the garden is really starting to come into its own. And I have another garden that's close to the house. It's my kitchen garden. Now I have not shown a visual of that. Um, I've not done a video of that garden. And really right now I'm just kind of experimenting with it. And it's actually on the chopping block. Um, sad to say, but what I have noticed is my warmer crops, my warm, my heat warming, my heat warming, my heat loving crops, such as um, tomatoes, peppers, um, 
those kind of crops, squashes, they seem to love that side of our property. And I can see why, because it's up closer to the house. And um, so the, it gets the heat of the house. And I think what I am discovering now is I've got this microclimate. And if you don't know what a microclimate is, it's basically its own little climate. Um, and when you see on video where my main crop garden is, there we are surrounded by fields. So there's fields in back of us and fields in front of us. And they're all cow pasture. So basically, I mean, there's no windbreak. There's no nothing. And we are about 4,000 feet above sea level. So it's constantly windy and it does get cold. Even the other day, it was 100 degrees outside during the day. I woke up the next morning and had to have a jacket on. When the sun goes down, it gets cold here. So what I am, the conclusion I'm coming to is that our main crop garden, I am going to be dedicating the main crop garden, most of it, I should say, to perennials. Because I think it's the perfect environment for the perennials rather than our main main crops. So when I say perennials, I'm going to be putting in blueberries, blackberries. I have blackberries in already, but I'm going to be putting in way more, uh, way more blackberries, way more blueberries. I have strawberries. I have one bed that's dedicated mostly to strawberries and cucumbers. And that bed is just going gangbusters. The strawberries that I'm growing is the variety called, um, I believe it's Alpine. It's an ever-bearing strawberry. And um, what that means is most strawberries, they put on fruit, a lot of, uh, a lot of strawberries, I should say, put on fruit in June. So they're called June bearing, um, June bearing fruits. That's because they mostly, mostly put on fruit once or twice a year and that's it. But with the ever bearing strawberries, they put on fruit all the time. Anytime it's warm, they put on fruit. So that's what I'm going to do is I'm going to dedicate most of that to, um, to my perennial plants. Um, asparagus is another one. Um, a rhubarb is another one. I'm just really going to be dedicating it to plants like that. And also some of my herbs, um, some of my herbs are going to be the parsley. Now, parsley is not a perennial. I completely understand. But in my climate, it self-seeds so perfectly well, and it loves the cold temperatures. Not as cold as it gets here, but it can survive likely through 
um, the early early parts of spring, it'll probably set seed and grow. So that is what I'm going to do there. So, um, yeah, so the majority of our main crop garden is going to be dedicated to perennials. Now, in that main crop garden, I have long gardening rows. Um, and those will stay. And the reason why those are going to stay is because I still have, um, I still have fruits or not fruits, but I still have vegetables that I want to grow that would be um, perfect in that situation. And the sunlight that, that happens there, um, it gets a lot of daylight um, and even though that area down there gets kind of cold, it's still, the sun hits it first thing in the morning. So it warms up where the long rows are a lot quicker than where the garden beds are in the main crop garden. So that leaves the question of, well, my regular vegetables like, you know, salad and, and, um, salad. I keep saying salad. I'm so sorry, but lettuce and, um, you know, just your regular, normal, you know, garden variety stuff that you're going to plant, like tomatoes, lettuce, um, peppers, those kinds of things. Where are those going to go? Well, we are creating, um, a secondary, garden. For the here and now, we have decided that that garden is going on the other side of our house. I say for the here and now, because we may change our minds, which is absolutely hysterically funny, but we just might change our minds. We are leaning, we're starting to lean now more towards going to the back end of, of our um, enclosed grass part of our property. So we have cut our property into an acre and a half and um, a half acre. So we have a half of an acre that's dedicated to just what we call, we call the pasture. Um, That's where we're going to have more farm animals, more to come on that subject, but more farm animals will be out there. Now, um, where our grass is, our backyard grass, we're thinking of putting the raised bed gardens maybe on the grass more towards the back because it gets the same thing. It gets lots of sunlight. And the nice thing is, is we already have irrigation back there. Um, so it's, it's kind of a, We don't know for sure what we're going to do, but we know we're going to do something. We have the garden beds here. We decided to go with corrugated metal beds and I'm super excited about that because um, they just look nice. And the cost of wood, I love wood, but the cost of wood, it's really expensive Um, The other reason why we're thinking maybe not putting it on the side of the house 
is because you can see it from the street. Um, as you go up and down our street, you can see the gardens. And that's a security issue, especially in light of things that are happening in the world right now. Um, and we are definitely seeing, definitely seeing inflation. Um, but we'll just set that aside because that's a, that's a topic for a different day. And we are going to get down and dirty on that topic, but that's for a different day. But all of this to say that we're, you know, it's nicer if we do put it on the side of the house because it gets more sunlight. Um, it gets more radiant heat. Um, just because, you know, as soon as the sun goes down, even in the summertime, it is cold here. So we shall see what we decide on that secondary garden and we'll keep you up to date. Some of the other things that have been going on while we have been off air is, um, well, we, we jokingly called it Chickageddon. If you know what the term Armageddon means, it was Armageddon for the chickens. It was their one bad day. We had 49 chickens that are now in freezer camp. Um, they are in our freezer and that was quite the process to do, but we had help. Um, and it was really, it was a lot of work, but it does give me a lot of happiness knowing that we have that meat in our freezer. So, and also while we have been off air, we've had our rabbits, they have been kindling. And so I think as of the recording of this, I think we have 10 kits. At this point, they're 10 grow outs now. I could be wrong on my numbers. I could, it could be more or less, but we have 10. And, um, and that's super exciting too, because that's just an additional meat source. Um, and I'm really excited. Two of them actually, I'm really excited about because I think I've got the perfect circumstance. They, they both share the same father but not the same mother and they're a boy and a girl and they both have the same signature mark. They're solid black. They've got a pinch of white on their forehead and a white snubby, like a little bit of white, not snubby, but a, a little bit of white on their nose. Super cute. I cannot wait to breed them. Um, and I'm actually breeding them. I'm setting those two aside strictly for their genetics. They seem to be handling the heat very well. Um, their fur is a little bit different. Both, both of them have different fur from the other ones, not just in color, but, um, in the way it feels too. So really excited about that because I've always wanted to, 
tinker around with genetics of rabbits. And um, it is possible to breed your rabbits to be more heat tolerant and to have certain, you know, uh, certain looks, certain markings, you can breed that in over time. And if you know anything about rabbits, yeah, it's true. They breed very quickly. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm just, you know, within a couple of generations, you'll have, I will have a rabbit that I absolutely love. And that is great for our homestead and for our climate. So super excited about that. Also on the rabbit front, we did lose one of our does. So that has been a major, major blow and a hit. Um, and a major change on our homestead. So her name was Honey Bunny, and she actually had five kits that I had to hand feed because those kits, they were younger than 10 days because their eyes weren't, no, their eyes were open. I'm sorry. So they were just a little older than 10 days. Um, and if you don't know, rabbit's eyes open after 10 days. Um, from birth to 10 days after that, they usually will start to open. Their eyes were open, but I mean, they were just so teeny, teeny, tiny. So for like two weeks, I had been hand feeding, you know, these, these little precious little rabbits, um, and had to feed them goat's milk because cow's milk will kill them but goat's milk will save them. So wound up keeping them in my, um, I have a garden bathtub and wound up keeping them there. They, they've grown. One of them, one of them did pass away, um, which really just crushed me, but I kind of knew that one was going to go because it was the runt. It was incredibly small. I mean, like, the other ones were getting bigger and bigger and I kept feeding that one plenty of food, but, um, it just never grew. So, you know, it, it eventually died. And, um, so that was, that was sad. I, I felt like our, for our doe, her name was honey bunny, their mother. I just, I felt bad. I was like, Oh, I tried taking care of your babies, but just didn't work. Um, what killed Honey Bunny, we still don't know. We don't know if something killed her. We're thoroughly convinced it's not a disease because nobody else has died. Um, so it wasn't a disease, but we're thinking it might have been a snake. So just to bring you up to speed, when we lost Honey Bunny, it was a blow. It really hurt because... I liked Honey Bunny. She was never, ever going to be destined to the plate, so to speak. She, you know, it, she was just a wonderful doe. Gentle, easy to handle. Um, good mom, by the way. 
But, um, and we decided early on, because we've done this before, but we decided that we were going to raise our rabbits and um, using a bucket burl system and basically, you know, having just like a nice little enclosure where they can all kind of hop around and nice little rabbitry. We call it the rabbitry. And um, that was going well, believe it or not. The does, the two does, Big Mama and Honey Bunny, seemed to be okay. But um, one day they got into a very bad fight. And come to find out it's because the other doe, Big Mama, was about to give birth. And it, it just was a hot mess. And so to separate them, I put a cage out there. Um, and I had the cage elevated, but not extremely high. I hate putting rabbits in cages. I just, it's not, I'm not, it's not one of my favorite things, but, um, put her in the cage. And I think maybe a snake might have taken her out. And the reason why I know probably it was a snake because days after her demise, I was in there getting ready to clean everything out in the rabbitry because I did that periodically just to clean out all the rabbit poop and everything. And I noticed this thing moving in the corner and come to find out it was a snake. Now, my husband dispatched the snake. If you follow me on Instagram, you will see the snake. Um, my husband dispatched the snake, but I don't know if it was poisonous or not. Um, and I still don't even know what type of snake it was. Speaking of snakes, this month we have had so many snakes on our property. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Snakes have been just really bad on our property. And, um, I am thankful that we have the dogs that we do. We have four dogs. I have always made the comment to my husband, why do we have a herd, a herd of dogs? And they're medium sized dogs. They're not small little, little dogs, but they're not big livestock guardian dogs either. Although one of them, we call her, you know, her name is Tuxi, but we call her killer because she's not afraid of any, anything. I mean, anything she won't hurt a human, but she is not afraid of anything. And, um, she will take anything down. And one of the scariest snakes that we've had was a rattler. We did have a rattlesnake on our property. Um, and he got taken care of. Yeah. And we're going to leave that at that. But um, it, if it wasn't for the dogs, I wouldn't have known that he was around. And um, and it was Tuxie, killer. <laughs> she was going to go in for the kill, too. It, I'm glad I got to her when I did. Ran across the property, got to her, and was able to corral the dogs. And, um, yeah, and the snake is... 
is no longer with us. So it's been a very full month of May. Very full. (laughs) So that is pretty much what has been what's been going on here on our homestead. So we've just been really busy trying to get settled in. This is our first growing season. So, you know, we're just not up to the speed that we are accustomed to. But that's what I wanted to talk to you guys about. Um, a little bit about especially for those of you who are in a similar situation where you're just either you're just getting started or you you have a change in in circumstance homesteading and this is just my personal opinion homesteading is all about the pivot now if you are a fan of basketball or any any sort of sports, even soccer, you know, some you have an opponent that's coming. You're you're, you're coming down. You're coming down the field, and your opponent is coming towards you. And within seconds, you have to decide: Am I going to go to the right or to the left, or am I going to turn around and go a different way? Pivoting in basketball means usually you're turning your back, you're switching which your direction is, you're going back and forth, you're pivoting. Resilience is a word that a lot of people use to describe homesteading. Homestead resilience. And I totally agree with that. But I also like homestead pivoting. Being able to pivot. When things aren't necessarily in your favor, that's the situation that me and my family are in right now. Things are not necessarily in our favor. Now, on the animal front, you know, we've got chickens, we've got rabbits, and we soon will have goats. Super excited about that. That's a different episode, but I will tell you, we are going to be talking about goats soon. On the animal front, we're doing perfect. Everything, everybody's healthy. Everything's good. Yeah, we lost, you know, one of our proven does, but um, we decided to pivot with her, with her loss. We pivoted and we decided we made the hard choice the hard decision of saying it's just not going to work in our area to have a rabbitry system where, you know, we have our rabbits in basically a glorified cage basically is what it is. And, um, but they have room to run around and socialize and, and so forth. We changed on a dime And we decided we have rabbit cages. We put them in cages. Why did we do that? It was for the safety of our animals. And do you know they're doing perfectly fine? Does it require an extra step? 
Yes, it does, because it means there are now cages, separate cages that we have to clean out. And it does require us to make sure that the rabbits are, they have the ability to cool down. So yes, did we pivot? Yes. Did we change? Yes. And sometimes when you're on a homestead and you're on your homestead journey, you're going to have to pivot. I guarantee you. There are times where you're going to have to change on a dime. The other thing that we are struggling with is the fact that this is our first year growing here. So what does that look like? Well, it looks like we're not going to have as much of a harvest as we normally are accustomed to having. So what that means is for myself, I am already ready to pivot. I have given up on summer. I have learned several things about my property and now I am pivoting to fall and I am also pivoting to getting food, harvesting food in a different way. What do I mean by harvesting food in a different way? If you're in the suburbs, if you're on a on an acreage like we are, sometimes your gardens go awry. Some people this year I've been hearing are having problems with seedlings, just getting seeds started. What and why, what the causes are, I don't know. It could be the soil. It could be the seed itself. There's a lot of things that could cause people to not get good seed starts. But what happens when you've missed out on the season? Are there you pick farms near you that are organic that you can collect this food on your own? When we talk about inflation, because you know inflation, and and I'm just going to be honest with you guys, we are going to be talking a lot about inflation and a lot about how to be better at pivoting and being more resilient this season because this is what we are facing. Food prices are through the roof and food is very, so in some places it's very sparse, it's hard to get. And in some places it's just so expensive. So, I mean, you know, it's it's kind of all of the above, right? I would say, try going to a UPIC farm. That's what we're doing this year. So this year, I am going to be doing a lot of canning, a lot of preserving like I normally do. And I'm also going to be doing a lot of fermenting this year. So excited about fermenting. But these things that I'm fermenting and canning and preserving, these things mostly are going to be from UPIC farms. Farms that I know are local to me, that are close to me, where I can go and I can pick those fruits and vegetables 
myself um, and preserve them myself. Some of them will be organic. Some of them, like, for example, one place I'm thinking of, it's an orchard. They are not organic. So I still am probably going to harvest something from there. Um, but I'm just going to make sure that if it's non-organic, it is something that will be heat processed because most pesticides, they break down under heat. Just so you know. Um, so hopefully that opens up a different door for you guys. It gives you a different idea because I know I hear a lot of people say farmer's markets, farmer's markets, farmer's markets, farmer's markets can be expensive. Let's just cut to the chase. Farmer's markets can be expensive. I know at least here in this area, they, they are expensive. Um, but you're getting good quality food 99.9% .9 of the time. And so you're paying for that quality. You're paying for the hard work that that person put in to produce said food. But you can also do you pick farms where you go, you harvest it, you pick it, and then you take it home. And guess what? You get to process it. So I hope that gives you guys some tips, um, an idea of something that you can do on your homestead journey. And hopefully that will help you with the inflation that we are seeing, because believe you me, what we are seeing as far as inflation is concerned, it's real people. It's real. So Okay, that is enough of that, but um, stick around because next week we're going to be talking about cooking from scratch, how to do it, why to cook, why to cook from scratch, how to do it. <laughs> okay, Kevin, this is for you. Please edit from, I don't know, where I flubbed up, 37.38. <sighs> Sorry about that. Anyway, one, two, three. So I hope you stick around um, for next week's episode because we're going to be talking about why, how, why and how to cook from scratch. So that is what's on our agenda for next week. And then the week after that, we're going to be talking about a topic that is very near and dear to my heart. And we're going to be addressing baby formula. So stick around. We've got some really interesting topics coming up after that. We're going to be talking about real estate and we're going to have somebody on. Um, I'm excited to have our first, I'm going to call them a co-host uh, for the day for that particular episode, but we're going to be talking about, that's actually a two-part episode. We're going to be talking about real estate, how to buy a homestead, things to look for, um, 
yeah, so I hope you guys are ready for this season. And once again, from my family to yours, stay safe out there and happy homesteading.